The annual meeting of the World Economic Forum in Davos this year will be the most timely and consequential annual meeting since the creation of the Forum over 50 years ago. Welcome to Radio Davos, the podcast from the World Economic Forum that looks at the biggest challenges and how we might solve them. This week, we preview the annual meeting 2022, the first in-person Davos gathering in more than two years. Its theme, history at a turning point. The political, economic and social circumstances of our meeting are certainly unprecedented. Nearly two and a half thousand leaders and experts from around the globe will meet in Davos, high in the Swiss Alps, to address some of the biggest issues from the global economy. Trying to understand what are the headwinds facing this very deeply uncertain economic context. To the environment. My hope is that the leaders, you will not just be a leader of your respective domains, but also be a climate hero. Radio Davos will be dropping daily episodes during Davos 2022 between May the 23rd and the 26th. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss that. Leave us a rating and a review and join us on the World Economic Forum Podcast Club on Facebook. I'm Robin Pomeroy at the World Economic Forum and with this preview of the Forum's annual meeting 2022... In the current geopolitical and geoeconomic circumstances, there is no business as usual. This is Radio Davos. As I record this, I'm packing my bag for Davos, a long train ride up into the Swiss Alps. I won't be packing my snow boots or warm coat, as would be de rigueur for any other Davos meeting, because the pandemic meant the traditional January meeting, where the World Economic Forum hosts leaders from around the world, didn't happen this year or the year before that in person. It's happening now in spring, but the absence of snow won't be the only obvious difference at this Davos that is like no other. Russia's invasion of Ukraine has been a game changer, not least for the Forum, which sees itself as a place to bring people together to seek agreement on ways to, in its own words, improve the state of the world. The main part of this episode is an interview I grabbed with World Economic Forum President Burger Brenda before he headed up the mountain. But first, here's Klaus Schwab, who founded the forum more than 50 years ago and remains its executive chairman. Here he is speaking at a press conference days ahead of the meeting, explaining why the theme of this meeting is the turning point in history. Our first thoughts are with the war in Ukraine. Russia's aggression on the country will be seen in future history books as the breakdown of the post-World War II and post-Cold War order. This is the reason why we speak about the turning point in history. In Davos, our solidarity is foremost with the people suffering from the atrocities of this war. Klaus Schwab, the World Economic Forum founder and executive chairman. So as well as Ukraine, what will be the other big issues at Davos? Sadia Zahidi, head of the Forum's Centre for the New Economy and Society. The Global Economic Outlook is one of the 60 or so sessions that are addressing where the global economy is headed and how to ensure that the economy works for people. A few things there. One is, of course, trying to understand what are the headwinds, what are the tailwinds that are currently facing this very deeply uncertain economic context. So trying to understand more about the outlook for inflation, what that means for the cost of living crisis, understanding more about the outlook for debt, the broad macroeconomic picture, um, and much more when it comes to the current picture of the economy. 
But what matters in the longer term is the set of economic trends that were already underway. And we saw that happen during the pandemic. And now, of course, that is getting worsened due to the current conflict context. So that includes things like education, like jobs, like inclusion, a number of areas that were already facing um, a complex situation, particularly with the technological changes that were underway. That became much more complicated during the pandemic. And so a large part of the program will also look at jobs, how to ensure that we create not just better jobs and the jobs that are needed in the future, but also ensure that these are jobs that pay a living wage. But it's not just the economy, far from it. Here's Gim Hoi Neo, head of the Forum's Centre for Nature and Climate. So you'll see panel discussions around decarbonisation across industries, especially the hard-to-abate sectors. And by this, I mean shipping, aviation, trucking, the mobility sectors, materials, uh, steel, aluminium, concrete, cement, as well as chemicals. Uh, and not forgetting agriculture, which is also a key uh, source of emissions today. So we will have conversations that are lined up to explore solutions and also new technologies that we could invest into and scale so that we can actually uh, accelerate the transition process. To tell us more about what's coming up at Davos 2022, I spoke to Burger Brenda, the president of the World Economic Forum. I started by asking him simply, what is this annual meeting in Davos? It is the foremost gathering of leaders from business and governments and civil society coming together, 2,500 participants, trying to make uh, the world a little bit better place to live and uh, also to make sure that we can find some solutions to the most pressing challenges that we are faced with. Of course, this is more difficult when we are faced with such a um, polarized world where we see also so much infighting, but we know that there are still opportunities there. It will be great when we have, for example, Secretary Kerry from the US, the climate envoy coming again together with the climate envoy from China, Minister Che. They did wonderful work at COP26 where we got a deal at the last moment uh, and we are now at least on paper on track uh, if everyone implements what they have committed to uh, towards the 1.5 degrees Celsius track. Davos, traditionally, it's always in January. It kind of sets the global agenda on policy issues. It's May this time. How much of a difference do you think that will make? I think the biggest difference from this Davos compared to the 50 Davoses that have been in the past is that it is happening at a time where we're seeing more geopolitical and geoeconomic turmoil than in decades. That we will not be facing snow will, of course, also change a little bit of the atmosphere, but we are in a very difficult uh, global situation. War in Ukraine, we see unparalleled heat waves already uh, in the spring. Uh, in many places in the world, uh, in India, close to 50 uh, degrees. And we are seeing a slowing global recovery just when we were thought we were out of it. And we're not out of the woods when it comes to the pandemic either. See the challenges that uh, the most populous countries in the country in the world now, China, is uh, faced with. So Davos will be different, but not mainly because of the lack of snow, but because of lack of global cooperation to solve these most pressing challenges. Global challenges 
need global solutions and we're not seeing these global solutions and that's where we have to push in Davos. Governments, business, civil society have to push the envelope so we make sure that we get a more inclusive job creating and sustainable recovery, that we walk the talk on climate change and that um, we also are better prepared for the new challenges that we know will come, for example, uh, potentially new pandemics post-COVID. And the theme of this meeting is history at a turning point. I'm guessing that's not least because of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Can you tell us a bit about the forum's position on that conflict and whether Russia will have any representation at this meeting? So we decided that there will be uh, no Russian companies uh, in Davos uh, this year, and we will not have representatives uh, from Russia either uh, this year. So, of course, we do want to see an end of this war, but that is now up to Kremlin and Mr. Putin. Uh, Mr. Putin started the war and he can end it uh, by then again, accepting what he has accepted in the past, the territorial integrity of Ukraine. Russia also has to again uh, go back to uh, the obligations they have in the UN Charter, something that they're not complying with today as a member of the UN Security Council, as a permanent member with a veto. Uh, it is very, very sad, but uh, we do hope that Russia can, in the future, uh, choose a different path. But I'm not optimistic short term, I have to say, unfortunately. So back to the meeting then again. It's over four days. There are dozens, if not hundreds of sessions, very high level discussions going on. Are there any things at this point, a few days ahead of it, you could kind of pick out as what you expect might be the highlights. You mentioned climate change as one with John Kerry coming and the US and the Chinese meeting again to talk about climate change. Are there any other things perhaps on the economy or the pandemic or what, what do you expect could be the highlights? So the opening in Davos will be a dialogue with President Zelensky from Kiev. Down, on, down the line, I assume. Yeah, yeah. On, on a video uh, link. But after that, there will be a panel with uh, five uh, women leaders uh, from Ukraine, parliamentarians, also Deputy Prime Minister, uh, young leaders also from Ukraine. And the amount of atrocities and the challenges that the people in Ukraine now are faced with, I am really thinking that this will be a very consequential session for all the participants uh, in Davos. When it comes to the economy, we will have 47 finance ministers and economy ministers there. And I do hope that we can agree on measures that can keep uh, the economy growing. We know that without economic growth, there will be no new jobs. And without inclusive green growth, there will also not be a possibility to solve the inequality challenges that we are faced with in many countries. And also, we're Without the green growth, we will continue to see a planet on fire. We also know that there will be no real recovery without the trade and investment recovery. And we're having close to 30 ministers uh, with the trade portfolio, with uh, Dr. Ngozi and WTO. And I do hope that we will see then less tariffs, that we will see uh, also more openness uh, for trade moving uh, forward because many developing countries and emerging economies are really hurt by this protectionist uh, approach now. 
we, we cannot continue to beggar thy neighbor. We have to prosper our neighbor. And what is incredibly important is that we can see an end of all these bans of export of food. Because that, um, if continued, we will see a perfect storm and it will end with a massive food crisis later this year. So I was very pleased to just learn before I came into the studio here that, for example, Indonesia now as one of the key exporters of cooking oil has then decided to lift the ban on export that they just introduced a week ago. So that's the way to go. You've done many Davos meetings before. How confident are you that meetings like this with all those senior people discussing the kind of issues you've just mentioned, that you can actually make some kind of progress that in a week or two's time, people will say that happened at Davos and things are moving forward because of that. I do hope that we uh, will end the week uh, with clear results. We've always been able to do so in the past. Was Nelson Mandela coming to Davos as uh, the president of South Africa and he on his way back said that uh, he understood more deeply how important it is also to receive investments in South Africa and his leadership was so important. We also saw the Global Fund and Gavi, the global vaccination programs being launched in Davos. So I do hope that this year we can come out of a Davos where there is reconfirmation of the climate positions and the commitments that countries took on at Glasgow. I also hope that we can come out of Davos agreeing that we should not think decoupling of trade and uh, introduce new tariffs. We should be thinking win-win. I also hope that we can have the CEOs for Ukraine committing that uh, business will also help and support in the rebuilding uh, of Ukraine. Uh, a global Marshall Plan for Ukraine uh, would be something very, very important. And finally, those, you were at a press conference yesterday where one journalist asked you this question after COVID-19 meant the Davos couldn't happen in January as usual. Will this be Davos business as usual? I think you gave him quite the response to that. Yeah, I, I, I said there is no business as usual anymore. We just have to internalize that the world is changed and it's changing very fast. And we, knew, we need new business models and not the old ones to address climate change, inequality, the war in Ukraine, but also the food crisis and also oceans being filled with the plastic uh, litter. Uh, we just need to think differently. We have to care about our planet. We have to care about people. And we have to, again, find global solutions on global challenges. Burger Brenda, thanks very much for joining us on Radio Davos. Thank you for inviting me. You can follow all the action from Davos on our website, weform.org, and across social media using the hashtag WEF22. Don't forget, you can get daily coverage from Radio Davos from the 23rd of May. This episode was written and presented by me, Robin Pomeroy, with studio production by Connor Smith. Join me on Monday, day one, to see what happens at Davos. Until then, thanks to you for listening, and goodbye.